My name is Aaron Rhodes, and you are listening to the Shuttlecock Podcast. We're sponsored by the Vinyl Underground at 7th Heaven, offering new and used vinyl at 76 and Troost in Kansas City, Missouri. This week on the show, we have Dan Ohm. How you doing? I'm feeling good. You just mentioned 7th Heaven. Yeah. I just got two jobs. I got my first paycheck. I'm trying to go there pretty soon. They got a really nice single stash out there that I need to get my way through. Nice. Well, you, you heard it here, folks. <laughs> dig, dig through those singles Not before, before Dan first. gets them. Don't we don't want Dan to have the good records. Yes, so. you do. No, so you, you do, dance. because he's playing at the party. <laughs> and yeah, he'll spend some records at the show, get your groove on. Exactly. I mean, you yeah. can only play the DJ Save My Life so many times. Right, and I love that song so much, but it's got to take a back seat for a while, because everyone's probably tired of it. Yeah. No, but one song you did put me on to through your DJ sets. Um, oh, man, I forget what the like actual song you is sing titled. It to me? Well, no, yeah, I know. The, it's the the Mace and Puff Daddy. Oh, yeah. Um, I used to skate in circles to that song as what's, like what's, an elementary what's the title school of it? song. So, uh, to so, be honest, I don't even remember either. No, yeah, it's the Hollywood Swingin' uh, remake they, they did. I don't know. No, yeah. I don't I just remember, like, in elementary school, we would do all these skate parties. We'd go to Skateland or to the fuck it's called mm. and they play that song all the time i would skate in circles and i just saw that picture disc out and about and was like oh shit this is that song put it on and was like taking in this home today oh, i didn't even realize it was a picture mm-hmm. disc oh, i guess it's just like, like the big fat image of his face on the cover of it. it's not yeah no i need to yeah next time you play that I'll, I'll run up and go see what that looks like yeah so that's a that's, that's a hit classic party a classic. track from back in the back in the day mm-hmm. even though it's not really that far back in the day but for us it is yeah for i mean I was probably a small child when whenever that was released. Right, I mean, maybe too. maybe younger. Yeah, um, but yeah, you are a fellow Olathan. Is that the I the that term? works for me? Olathan? Yeah, I'm actually getting ready to go there this weekend. Like I was telling you for this ceramic sale thing I'm doing. Mm. Uh, I got a friend that lives out there that comes down to KC all the time to like play synthesizer weird stuff with me and just hang out and goof off. Uh, we've known each other since we were like in high school, so I'm gonna try to stay out there with him and be like, what do you do in Olathe? Because this, this sale's like two days in a row, so I'm gonna just try to crash with him out there, so I don't have to drive all the way back to KC. So I might goof off in Olathe tomorrow night. <laughs> oh yeah, do you think he has some some crazy stuff up his sleeve or you crazy think stuff? No, <laughs> we'll probably just like kind of hang out, drink some beer. I'm gonna try to like go out to a bar with him and be like, where do you like? Is there a bar you drink at out here? Like, let's go out, but like. You know, I never really hang out with him at his house much, and he's got like a basement with all of his music stuff set up out there, so we might jam and dick around out there a little bit. But I'm going to be spending the weekend in Olathe, yeah. Nice, uh, a real, a real destination getaway. Mm, sure, I mean <laughs> it's definitely a getaway. I'm getting away. Yeah. But uh, I don't know what I'll do out there, but it'll be cool to just like hang out with him at his place because he's been coming. I don't know that I've ever really hung out at his place more than like a couple hours or something. No, yeah, like. Like, live being ex uh, suburban and living in the city, like you kind of always just expect all your friends to to come to you, and you're like, oh yeah, I probably should go see all the folks in uh-huh. Johnson County. Yeah. At I least mean, I visit my parents out there, yeah. and like that's sometimes when I'll like stop by his house if he's out there when I'm out there, kind of. Mm. But um, yeah, I don't. I I just it gives me like anxiety to be to be out there, sort yeah. of. You know, I get out there and I start looking around and everything's really far away from each other and it's just like all you know it's kind of a spatial thing kind of a object yeah, and it's just permanent strip malls and churches and schools and so know what to do out there so usually just kind of beeline to mom and dad's house have dinner hang out and then just like get the heck out of there you know it's a, it's a good strategy it's my strategy yeah no yeah but that 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 was your your stomping grounds the uh south town uh-huh. um and Maybe like was Gary Gonzalez the first band you played in? Basically, I Basically. guess so. Yeah, uh, okay. a bunch of friends that I was going to school with. Um, it was kind of the only group of weirdos that I knew that wanted to try to make music at all that had the gear and stuff to do it. Mm. And that was kind of like a thrashy punk thing. Kind or? of, yeah. you know, like looking back on it, I think it's a lot more like screamo-ish than I would think now. And, like, some of those guys were into, like, a lot of that, like, metalcore sort of stuff that was going on during the MySpace days. 
So we definitely had some, you know, chugga chuggas in there and stuff and and trying to phase that out of the group that some of those guys were like, No man, you can't take the breakdowns out but we also had all these like dance parts and stuff in it. I had a lot of fun doing that. We used to like play a show every week out there, even though that sounds crazy now to be like how do you get people to go see your band every week? But, you know, when you live in Olathe as a teenager into weird stuff, like, there's not a whole lot of shit to do out there. Oh, yeah, because I was going to ask, like, was there, like, like a, gr- a group of, like, bands that would you would kind of end up playing with? Or was there, like... Kind of, yeah. Like, in what kind of venues would you end up at, Oh, too? man, to be honest, we played a lot of churches. Yeah. You know, and that would kind of get me and my band in trouble a lot. Because, you know, we tried to, like, behave and, like, respect the spot. But, like, as we started getting into late teens and stuff, like, those dudes were all... They were, like, doing beer bongs, like, behind the van and stuff. And I'd be like, guys, like, I don't really care. But, like, you know, if we piss off so-and-so, they're not going to let us have shows here. It was, like, a living, like, hard times article. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. Yeah, probably already been done. I don't know. Because were were you playing at, like, Yahweh, too? Or was it, like... That was one of the spaces. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes I drive past that. And I just, you know, I kind of feel, it makes me feel weird just to, like, think back on those times and how, like, awkward all that was. But yeah, I used to book, like, lots of touring bands and, like, lots of, like, grindy, screamo, mixture, weird bands at that place. And they were, they never really cared about having the weirdo kids out there. And, like, you know, some of those kids were, like, drawing upside-down crosses and writing <laughs> 666 on their forehead at this, like, church thing. And they called him Old Man Yahweh, and he would be there kind of, like, well, kids, you know, he'd kind of, like, try to talk to them about the whole Jesus thing, but none of them would be, like, it wasn't really that forceful. He'd just kind of, like, try to talk to the kids and be, like, why do you have 666 on your forehead? You know, it was, it was silly times. But yeah, they would let me do pretty much whatever I wanted there. We did a lot of house shows for a while, but, you know, when you're, like, inviting 100 kids to somebody's mom's house in Leewood, like, after they do that once, they're not going to do it again. Yeah. But we used to do house shows out there and have a lot of fun. And there there was a couple moms and dads that were, like, really into it. They're like, I'm really glad that, you know, all these kids, they'll come here and do this. And we can provide this safe place for them to get together and do this thing. And, like, you know, I think some of the kids would be, like, kind of drinking or smoking weed. But not really, like, all over, like, some of the house shows we're used to now that we're adults or whatever. But, you know, they were just like, it's it's nice to just be able to have this safe space and... I just remember one of them, it's pretty funny, they were like, the, the one neighbor's upset, but, you know, they don't, they, don't even, they don't even have a college degree, they're not even educated over there. <laughs> that, that was, like, the funniest thing for them to just be like, they're, they're uneducated, they don't get that we can have this good time here or something. It was, I just thought that was funny. Yeah, they, they don't understand MySpace core and <laughs> Who did? The, you know, even looking back on those days, it, like, blows my mind how that used to work. But I also used to, like, dig through MySpace profiles for bands all the time and be mm-hmm. like, I like this band. You know, they got their top friends. And it's usually full of bands. So you can just, like, click. And it's like, a, I just got into so many weird bands through digging around in MySpace. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, it was, like, I mean, I was never, I wasn't present for the the golden days of MySpace. <laughs> but, like it, it, like, it does seem cool that, like, music was made, like, kind of an, an integral part of it. Like, that it was... Big time. I mean... I feel like Bandcamp does something like that because you can, like, share it and stuff, but I feel like the social side of that is different. Like, But, you yeah. know, everything's on the YouTube and Bandcamp. Yeah. You know, everyone's streaming stuff still, but yeah. I like, just what, think the MySpace way was, like, a funny way to, like, share and socialize on there as a kid. No, yeah, like, it. from what I gather, like, you would kind of, like, find a cool band and, like, instantly be like chatting with them and like getting yeah. to know them but like nowadays like that kind of usually probably just happens if you're booking them or something yeah or, like so. going to the shows and yeah. stuff but i also think like with that website myspace in general it like really changed like diy booking and touring in general because mm. like once you're able to start posting your tracks on there and like you know surf around the internet and get people to like check out your page and do stuff you know, you're able to just be like, here's my MySpace, will you book my band? Yeah. Without ever having known people, you know, versus like back in the day, you'd have to, you'd have to like get somebody's phone number or like really know somebody in Philadelphia. Yeah. That would be interested in me. Like, oh, that's my friend and they have this band, I'm going to book them. Yeah. 
versus you know once that website came out people could just be like here's my link you're into like I'm in a grindcore band you book grindcore bands here's a, I'm from Kansas City will you book my grindcore band and yeah. they just be like oh sure this sounds cool I'll do it you know and I just kind of started allowing like anybody that could record their band and like get it in a car to like go on tour mm. you know I think that changed the whole game for a while and I mean that's still going with like the internet is the way it is and just being able to like make a band camp link send it to somebody go on tour no, oh, yeah, like, the way, but, yeah, like, yeah, MySpace probably was, like, the big, like, first step for a lot of people, like, gaining access to, like, the ability to, like, be a part of, like, a music scene, and even totally. if they, like, didn't know about it, so. I mean, also, like, created a bunch of really goofy, like, weird scene, like, subgenre scene sort of stuff within music communities, you know, because, like, one group would get like hyped on MySpace and then someone else would be like, oh, I can do that too because I've got a computer and a drum machine or something, you know? Yeah. And there'd just be all these like sub-genres of all this weird stuff and then everyone's going on tour and spreading it around. Oh, yeah, like, and something like, it's not even like necessarily a bad thing, but like it's just kind of what it is. But like that, yeah, it also kind of is like the beginning of like the very like, nichified like oh yeah big time music sounds like mm-hmm. like how it's like kind of impossible to get some people to go to some types of shows just because like not everything sounds a certain way i mean yeah and yeah some i don't people know. can be really picky about what they're into bothering to shows to go to yeah you can just dive down one rabbit hole for so long and right Miss a lot of stuff. There was one really weird phase that I feel like was happening in MySpace music where they were like grind bands that sounded like they were underwater. <laughs> I wish I could remember the name of some of these groups, but I remember. And I had kind of booked one, but I think they they just canceled their tour and never went on tour. I also feel like there was a, a, a group of. No, it's not like a group, but like there were different bands that would exist on this internet platform, but when it came time to like real life like get in a van and go on tour they were like oh we can't do this because we just make these weird recordings in a bedroom that we put on the internet that's like of this weird happening sound right now but we can't actually produce that live so i feel like they would like book tours but then never go on them (laughs) like fake reasons why they didn't go on so like almost like fake bands sort of but i think that's just like the internet that's you know? a weird little byproduct of yeah you know these but, platforms but they're getting you know like the hype and like people talking about their groups so they're like we're in this cool band that exists on the internet but they can't like play live in real life or whatever yeah so um all you fake internet uh <laughs> punks uh, look out world uh talking to you egg punks <laughs> chain punks uh it's 2018 now everything's cool everything's cool <laughs> everything's cool yeah, I mean, it's cool to people to just, like, make weird music and post it online and people get excited about it. Yeah. It's kind of, it's a pretty odd thing, the, the World Wide Web. Sure is. You can imagine. God God bless it. Sure. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, like, I just remember, though, the first time I saw you play music, it is post... Um, when was that? Um, I think it was Meat Mist. Okay. Yeah. And, I don't know, I, I really, like, it was around the time that uh, Smut, the LP, came cool. out. Yeah. And I was a big fan of that record, and I yeah, saw I that band. Yeah, I playing that band in a big way. Uh, we, we all had different priorities back then. Hmm. So we were, like, I mean, James was 17 when we started that band. And, like, me and Steven were, like, 22, 23. So we didn't have shit else going on, but, like, wanting to, like, drink beer, smoke some weed, and, like, make some weird music in the basement you know mm. and then as, as time went on we were like oh we all us really like have lives now and some of us got jobs we can't go on tour and yeah but we were i just you know felt pretty challenged and like going we like had somewhere we were going with like the sound and trying to like do some psychedelic freaky heavy weird shit you know mm. no yeah it's funny like shout out to james i didn't like just because like james had always been there when i entered the scene initially uh-huh. like i thought he was like as old as everyone else and i'm like oh wait you're actually just like two or three years older than me uh-huh. like barely right yeah no, and yeah. i i mean i forget that all the time but like i mean the first tour we went on i was buying him cigarettes <laughs> and beer like on different occasions on tour because he'd be like hey can you go into the store and get me cigarettes and he'd just be like 
when are you going to get old enough <laughs> to just buy your own damn cigarettes? You know, but you know now none of that's an issue. But it <clears throat> it was it was kind of cool to like every once in a while I remember that just be like, actually, like I'm taking a minor across state lines on this tour right now. Is this is this chill? But, you know, I've known, I think I met James when he was, like, 15, mm-hmm. you know? He just was, like, hanging around Midtown, and when I would talk to him, he would talk about a bunch of, you know, he was, like, getting into a lot of the same things that I was getting into as somebody who was, I guess, I'm not really sure how much older than James I am, like, four or five years older than him. And I was just like, this is cool. You are a young person. You're obviously, like, much more mature than people your age, and you want to, like, see what's going on in the world and, like, figure out what you like and what you're doing so I like you know he's always been a sweet young man too so I've always just loved hanging out with him and you know me and Steve when we're starting that band I was kind of like I don't know I saw James playing this weird noisy punk band when like White Slave had just started and I was like mm-hmm. I see you you know and he's this young guy we should just like get him in the band and like see what we can get him into and like make him do some weird shit with his guitar <laughs> you know and I think it took a little the first few practices of just kind of like pushing him to just be like no nah, you can't don't just like play some power like get weird and then you know and then he did <laughs> you know we got into some pretty fucking bizarre stuff with that band oh yeah and then eventually you get the meat mist white slave split yep um, at the time too the white slave uh group practiced two houses down from me mm. yeah, and kind of kind of sister band situation yeah, pretty much yeah and we would just hang out on the block all the time and yeah, they had a few bands practicing like Attention Seeker, Bethrazel band, and all that. Mm. So they'd be around all the time. Those were good times. Yeah, with, I mean, with that band too, we'd like we'd go on month long tours and stuff, and like that's not something I do anymore. Oh yeah, it's yeah. been it's been a long time since I've been on tour for a month, probably like five years or something. Yeah, but you've you've done some kind of like two week, maybe three week runs. Yeah, mostly recently. stuff like that, which is kind of much more manageable, mm. especially you know as your bandmates get older and they all have, like, jobs that they actually like, care about. So, like, taking a month off or, like, just, like, quitting whatever bullshit jobs to just go on tour for a while. Yeah. You know, once you start getting older and you're like, well, actually, like, I I'm, I need to be able to pay the bills and stuff and, like, going on tour for a month means I'm just actually going to spend a bunch of money, yeah. you know. But, you know, going on tour for a month, too, you know, you... About a week and a half in, you kind of start missing your bed a little bit every once in a while. And then after two weeks, you're like, man, I'm kind of tired. I don't know. And then once the third week comes in, you're just like, I don't think I can go back now, you know? And I just remember, like, you know, playing the whole month of tours over, like, the whole East Coast and stuff, coming back and then getting to Oklahoma City, playing there, and then just being like, are we sure we're going home tomorrow? Should we just, like, call somebody in, like, who knows where and try to book a show and just, like, keep going? Like, why would we... What am I going to do when I get home? Uh, DIY tour psychosis. Kind of, you know, and then, like, after being on tour for a whole month and just, like, you know, going show to show and hanging out with a bunch of weirdos every night, once you realize you're going to have to, like, go home and, like, get in a routine and go back to work, the, 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 the culture shock that exists there is, like, not really very fun to deal with. Yeah. But, you know, once if you do, like, the two-week tours, it's kind of... It's much more easy. So you don't be like, this is my life now. I'm just playing rock and roll every fucking night with all these weirdos and just having a great time, staying up until four in the morning, waking up at noon, going to the next place, you know. It's like, okay, now you got to go home. (laughs) When you wake up. Speaking to younger Dan here. uh, (laughs) Right, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I miss going through all that stuff and, like, kind of losing your mind a little bit on tour and then just, like, giving in and, like, sinking into just playing weird shows at weird places every single night and i mean you meet some of the most interesting people possible doing stuff like that you know Mm. and like i've got friends all over the country from that and loved it Mm. you know i do i don't really tour as much as i used to anymore i don't have just like the energy to do that stuff so much anymore and also it's like harder to get some of my friends together to do stuff like that now because everyone's also playing in a bunch of bands that are trying to do small tours and, like, work and take care of themselves more, you yeah. know, and, like, their wellness and, like, what they have going on in their life versus just, like, no, I'm in this band. This band is my life. Mm. It's just not really like that anymore. And yeah. it took me a while to just kind of be like, oh, I guess me either. I'd be like, why, why aren't we going on tour all the time and doing all this stuff, you know? You feel you know, like you're, like, like, one of the last holdouts or something like that? or 
Nah, well, I guess kind of, but not necessarily. I think I just, you know, during some of those times where, you know, I was like trying to work with my different bandmates and being like, listen, we all talked about doing this. Let's do it. And they'd be like, well, let's go for two and a half weeks versus a month. And I would get frustrated and then I would realize, oh, actually, that makes a lot more sense. You know, there's not really a reason for us to go for a month. You know, we should just do short trips and then do another one later, mm. you know, and then it's less stress on everybody financially and with in your life. And it's a lot easier just to like take a two week break from like whatever you're working on versus like, oh, I'm gone for a month. And then when I come back, it's gonna be a big old mess when I get back, you know? Yeah. No, yeah and the the meat mist era is is that kind of around when you started recording bands and everything or was or had you been doing that previously? I had done a little bit previously, like, borrowing four tracks and stuff and, like, just putting, like, a vocal mic like this that we have in front of us, like, yeah. on anything. Because I just had, that's what I had was just microphones I had acquired through doing all this stuff for years. I didn't have anything that was, like, recording mics at all. I think at some point I had borrowed a SM57 to get started. But, yeah, I just got a four track from somebody and I did it once for the, the, the band Demon Horse that I was doing before that. Mm-hmm. And that came out really cool. It was so fun just to, like, put up the mics and go on it, you know. And then it was, like, time to make, like, record Meat Mist. And I was like, let's just, I bought a four-track not that long ago. Let's get some nice tapes for it and just do it. Nice. Oh, yeah, and so w- would you say, and, like, like, when you started recording bands and, like, at this point in time, like, was it m- kind of more out of, like, necessity or interest in, like, the craft, would you say? And, like, has that kind of changed over time at all? It was really both. Because yeah. definitely there was just a necessity for, like, me to record my own band. And then, you know, people would be like, hey, that tape is cool. Like, we need to record, too. And, you know, like, a lot of, like, punk bands and, like, just, like, real rock and roll bands don't want to go into a studio and, like, record all the drum tracks and then go back and like record the guitar over it. Mm. You know, they want to show up, play the song all together. Like they're used to doing and have it sound cool. You know, a lot of bands that are, I guess more like raw sort of sound stuff. You know, you go to the studio with your crazy raw band and the studio takes like sucks the rawness out of it really hard. Yeah. I can imagine if you tried like bringing dirty work, no master or beta boys to a studio. Well, some of them had like tried it too. And then they were just like, hey, we just did this and had, like, it sounds weird. That's, like, not what we wanted to sound like. Yeah. Like, we want to, will you record us again? You know, because some of them, like, I recorded their bands when they just, like, needed to get, like, a demo tape out. Hmm. And then they would go to a studio and do it and then be like, oh, I don't know, that was just uncomfortable. We didn't like how it sounded. Hmm. I mean, and with, like, No Master in particular, they had gone to a studio and, like, whatever they had recorded there sounded like amazing to me it was like this huge sound super raw like really like attacking you when you listen to it i would be really interested in in hearing that recording is is it anything that ever got released i think it did but i'm not totally sure that might have been so long ago now because you did the disconnected tape i believe but but the the seven inch wasn't studio stuff was it I think that was it, was actually. It? I think oh. it was the seven inch that I, was. I, I do like the seven inch a lot. Right. Yeah. yeah, and like I had done a tape for them and like you know, David had like three distortion pedals on his guitar and all this stuff, and I was like, you know, it's it's gonna sound like and he was like, Yeah, I know. <laughs> so and you know, like that on the four track tape, it just sounds real raw and psychotic, and they were like, This oh, I wish this you know, I like this way more than that record. Hmm. I was like, Man, the record has like big nasty bass tones in it whereas my little four track doesn't really oh yeah and the, the drums on that seven inch just hit too like that's kind of what i was confused about but yeah. i was i was very excited for them to be like this sounds great like this yeah. is as raw as i want it like i'm stoked on this do you have favorite like recordings that you've done over the years any that stand out in particular it's hard for me to pick them apart piece by piece mm. which ones were which but like I really re- liked recording, like, all those bands, like, the Dirty Work, Beta Boys, No Master, and, like, that whole crew of people in any band that they had, because mm. they all had a great time doing it. They all show up, they play, you know, classic. Every time someone does a take, they're like, oh, man, I totally fucked that one up. And then you just hit play, and they're like, huh, that sounds fine. <laughs> you know, and they were all pretty easy to please, and when it comes time to be done, they were all very excited about it, and it was all really easy to do. Just go to their practice space, my four-track, set it up have a good time doing it. Nice. 
Oh yeah, and uh, quick shout out to Prude. You you just w- right, uh, wiped up their their uh, yeah the new, their demo new stuff yeah. for them. Yeah, that was the first. Maybe that's the very first thing I did straight onto a computer. Oh yeah, because they kind of like just maybe four or five days before they wanted to record. Because we had talked about it on and off, and I was just like, I'll I would love to record your band. It'd be easy. You guys have a big sound. It's like a four piece and all that. I do that all, kind of thing all the time. Mm. And they uh, they didn't want to spend money or like wait for the tapes to come in so i was like i can just do it on the, com- the computer and it's gonna sound pretty good mm. and went over there and recorded all their tracks in like an hour and a half or something and it, it sounds meaner than hell nice so i'm pretty excited about that i pretty much left the four track business behind because now i've got this eight track reel to reel machine that sounds way better oh yeah you brought that over one time when you're recording some oh, salty I, I stuff salty stuff like 10 but, minutes before no, oh yeah that, in the basement <laughs> Yeah, but that that machine is kind of like a, a beast, though. Where, yeah. Where, where'd you find that? I was about to go to Nashville to get like this Tascam reel-to-reel machine that was going to cost me like a thousand dollars and a trip to Nashville and back because mm-hmm. I've been kind of obsessed with it. It's actually the same machine that I recorded the the Dime Sack record with. Okay. Uh, my roommate has one. He let me finally let me borrow it. <laughs> mm. Yeah, better than driving all the way to Nashville. Yeah. Me. Well, after recording that, I was like, oh, I just I gotta have one of these. Yeah. And then uh, my friend Brad that plays in the band was like, hey, before you do all that, you should, like, check out this one I saw on Craigslist. And I was like, well, I don't know what that is. Like, I really want this Tascam machine because all my four tracks have been Tascam, and I've used that. Uh, like, I recorded Beta Boys on that Tascam reel-to-reel one time because uh, Trey's dad had one. Mm. And we were about to – he brought out an Echoplex, like the real tape delay thing to put a little bit of effects on the vocals. And it was sounding really cool, but before we could get it – off of the tape to like make a mix out of it the tape player just quit working mm. but we're all sitting there like listening to it and it sounds so good and actually i should probably try to get a, now that i have this machine i should try to get that reel from him because it's still on tape like on like, wait, wait what what session was that for like what band and everything i think it was the second time i had recorded beta boys okay so i did like a four song demo for them like in the very early days and they wanted to do some more, and then Trey was like, oh, my dad has this 8-track, you should come check it out. And I go into the basement of the worst house, yeah. and underneath this tarp is the machine I've been dreaming about for like two weeks, and I was just like, we have to do this. This is destiny. Mm-hmm. Like, this machine is here. Let's do this. But I think it hadn't been maintained for a while, and then once we put it to use, it kind of wore itself out before we ever got the tape off of it. Yeah. But, like, and those songs probably eventually ended up on like the first seven inch or like the promo tape they did before that like i kind of get confused because i've recorded them a handful of different times so yeah. i don't remember what ended up being what mm. but yeah, i would be- definitely say those songs all got released because i think after that machine had kind of like bit the dust we were like well we still need to record those and get them done so i was like well let's get the four track out you know mm. yeah it'd be fun to hear those too so if you ever dig those up. I just need to remember to talk to, to Mel about that and get that tape from him. Because mm-hmm. I think about it every once in a while, but then it kind of disappears from yeah, my maybe, mind. Maybe someone will remind you after they, they listen. And Yeah, I'm just curious about what that. those songs... Because that's like the first time I had really recorded on a machine like that. and mm. Kind of haven't ever totally known what I'm doing with all this stuff. I've just like learned little tricks through recording these bands so many times. Mm. Just using cheap 57s, like really simple microphones. But, you know, gives you the raw rock, the punk sound as easy as possible. Yep. No, yeah, and a lot of the stuff that you did that you were recording, you were also releasing through XO Press, your yeah, label actually, at like, the time. Yeah, you asked me what was, like, the most fun recording I did. I would say the first KC compilation tape. The True DIY Yeah, which comp- we, yeah. we had a release party in this room. Beautiful. Uh, years ago. No, yeah, and the I think the... Dark Ages night of that three-day little fest thing was, like, maybe the first house show I went to. And that oh, was, really? That was here, so that was a lot Yeah, of that would have been a wild night. I, yeah, that I'm, was... I'm pretty sure Battle Royale played, too, but I'm not sure if I saw them. I missed, like, one or two bands, but... I think so. Yeah, yeah. We, we made sure to, like, kind of mix... I mean, that tape's, like, all over the place of the different vibes of all of, like, what was going on back then. Yeah. So we tried to make sure we weren't just like, okay, here's the hardcore night, and, like, here's the like indie rock sort of screamo or something like show we like try to put like the big hardcore band with like the weirdo screamo band and like i think we even had some of the singer songwriters playing some of those shows and stuff too yeah but yeah like 
I would I think I recorded about half of those 28 songs that were on that. I think it's 28. Who worked on the other ones? Um, I think I, I think we did two. And I recorded some stuff for those other ones, but some bands already like had their own stuff recorded through different means. Okay. But yeah, just because like some of those people in those bands, like when I did the first ones, like I I know you guys a little bit because we like hang out at shows, maybe knock a couple beers together, say what's up, or like I've played shows together. But you know, like going to their practice space with my four track and like hanging out with them to record a song. It was a really cool time, and like that was like an express like learning experience to be like okay you need to record like 10 to 14 bands in the next couple weeks like hope everything goes well and you know i would learn something every time about setting up different stuff and was that all kind of just like your initiative wanting to like record like a dozen bands and get them on this tape like kind of and i think that was also like another necessity thing is Mm -hmm. where you know me and steven and james while we were doing meet miss we were like running that xo label together Mm -hmm we had come up with the idea to do this Kansas City compilation. And then we're like, well, all these shows happen in that house that's three blocks over there, the one we're sitting in now, and the other one that's three blocks over there. Like, let's just have all local shows instead of, you know, touring bands every night. You know, let's record them and, like, make this tape. Um, It's funny to listen to some of those tapes now because they were dubbed really terribly. (laughs) Um, I think they're all, like, the digital files are all still on that XO band camp. Yeah which I occasionally revisit and click on some stuff and just be like, woo, that's a long time ago. <laughs> you know, I get a kick out of that. But my roommates had one of the tapes. I was like, oh, I haven't listened to this in forever. And I put it on and was just like, wow, that's a pretty poor dub of that one. <laughs> but we were just using a friend's tape dubber, and I don't think we knew what we were doing back then either. But oh, you, you live and you learn. And, right, and now I just have National Audio put it all together for me. Yeah. So I don't, like, buy all the pieces and have to dub them, you know. I just send it off to them, and it comes to me, and every tape sounds as good as I want it to, you know. That's great. That's good yeah. news. Um, but, yeah, and shortly after the end of the Meat Mist era, you end up in Burial Teens and later yep. Phantom Head, which, like, I mean, I kind of just associate those bands together because it is, like, you and Carrie mm-hmm. and um, with Barrel Teens, that was mostly our friend Nate who wrote and like did all the vocals and all that. And oh, yeah. guitar. I was just playing drums in that band. Okay, which I haven't played drums in a band since then. Really, uh, I miss it quite a bit. Maybe one day I'll get back to it. But I really miss working with Carrie in general. Um, we talk about it all the time, mostly in like, you know, I get a little frustrated around here sometimes. Like, man thinking about moving to Minneapolis again, you know, it's just like a thought that comes in and out of my mind all the time. She's like, well, if you know, if we did, we'd start a band together. Mm. I'm like, ah, that would be cool. But, but you, you do end up there doing Phantom Head stuff pretty often, right? Um, we haven't played in a long time. Yeah. Like, I don't think we've done anything in like a year now. Okay. Um, we all still like hang out up there. Mm. I usually go up there to like DJ parties or like go see people on their birthday or like, Kind of just to go hang out. I try to hang out there a lot. I really like it up there. Especially, oh, yeah, like, yeah. summertime when it's nice. and everyone, There's, like, a lot going on up there all the time. Oh, yeah, you have a, a stronger connection to Minneapolis than most, I'd say. So Yeah, I love it. I mean, even my friends that played last night were like, so are you still thinking about moving here? Mm. And I'm like, I, I mean, I think about it all the time. That doesn't mean I'm going to do it. You know, I'm pretty darn set up in Kansas City as far as everything goes. Yeah. But, you know, it's easy to get tired of the town because it's small and stuff. But I just try to get out of town, have fun other places, and then remember why I love it when I come back home, you know. Mm. Oh, yeah, and another uh, project you have with uh, non-Kansas Cityans uh, last year and uh, earlier this year you were doing uh, Rota. Yeah, at the time we were all living in Kansas City. Oh, yeah, because Ashley, the singer, was Mm -hmm. living here for a minute. I think she was here a year, maybe a little bit more. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I kind of didn't have much going on because Phantom Head wasn't playing. And then uh, Dylan, that was in that band, played in Tongues. And that band had kind of dissolved. And we were both like, I don't know, I'm just getting the itch, man. I want to make some freaky music again. And, like, I miss playing in a band. So we kind of, like, we're trying to figure out who we could start a band with. And then uh, we got Max. I used to work with Max a bunch. I think I just saw him playing in Natural Man one night. It was just like you would fit great. Like, you're an easygoing guy. You can drum like a motherfucker. Like, 
and you already know Dylan, and we've hung out for years and stuff. Like, let's just start a band. And then, then it occurred, I was like, and Ashley lives here now. I think we were like DJing a party together, and I kind of was like, hey, do you want to, do you want to be in a band? And you asked me to silence my no, phone. Oh yeah, I'm I'm the I'm the hypocrite there. But uh, yeah, that was really fun. It was we you know, but we we kind of started the band and like once we had about five of the songs kind of like playable, Ashley kind of sat us down. And was like, listen guys, I'm gonna move back to St. Louis soon. Mm. And we were all like, oh, she's like, in eight months from now. So kind of like, okay, well let's just make it a goal to like write all these songs, you know, release them on a tape. And, like, try to play a bunch of Midwest shows and see what happens after that. Had and she that, been planning on, like, moving after a year, like, initially? Or? No, she pretty much just got, like, a really big hookup to go back. I mean, she's from St. Louis. Yeah. And, like, I think she wanted a break and came to or came to Kansas City and, you know, caught a break here and was, like, figuring stuff out and, like, doing her thing. And then, you know, she had this, like, amazing opportunity to go back and, like, work at this spot for her rent and like has her own storefront which is kind of what she was doing here at holy cow but now she has like a real storefront with her partner mookie who's from here nice and they're they're kicking total ass out there when i go out there and hang out with them they seem like they're just like really doing well super happy and like working on what they want to you know oh that's tight no yeah and there's gonna be a fault finder full length coming out eventually yeah i think so james is working on that and i get to hear little pieces of it and it sounds awesome so i I'm not sure what's going on with the group, because Dom moved, you know, Mookie moved. Yeah. But I would assume they'd probably try to rock a couple shows once the that stuff drops. Uh, it, always a very tight and underappreciated band, in my opinion. Right, but yeah, big time. Cool stuff. Yeah, I'm excited to hear the recordings, too, like the rest of them. So, like, the spots I heard, I was like, whoa, this is, this is like, what that band sounds like in a big way, and, like, it, it sounds really good. Hmm. Oh yeah, their their recording had always been kind of like sporadic and like mm-hmm. it wasn't. I think I did always, a song for them like, once on one of those compilations yeah. too. Actually, yeah, yeah, it was kind of tough to like, like you would get their tape or CD or whatever, but it was like something that came out like three years ago, so it wasn't even like like. And that band really did like kind of evolve a lot over time. Oh, big time! So yeah, like, like member changes and just like vibe changes in general. Yeah, so I think you know. They would get busy doing stuff with life, and then everyone's going to be like, now we have all this time to, like, write a bunch of new stuff. So they would, like, write stuff, rock it for a while, and then come back and then write more new stuff and kept changing all the time. Yeah. Yeah, so hopefully we all get to hear that record soon. Yeah. Um, oh yeah and is the full Rota EP going to be out sometime soon there are tapes i got a bunch in my oh, yeah, closet i could have brought you one here today mm. oh yeah i'll grab one from you soon but yeah there's only the two songs on the band camp oh right really now yeah i think yeah i think we just like got ready to go on tour and yeah. after that happened we all just kind of we're like okay we did that all right. let's see what's going on next it'd be cool to try to get the the group together again just to like play some stuff in kc or like go to st louis mm. but i and everyone's just been, like, really busy with lots of other projects, too. And, like, summer's just been nuts. Yeah. You know, and Ashley, I think her and Mookie are still kind of, like, really getting into the, the St. Louis groove still out there. Nice. Oh, I would yeah. assume she'll be starting a bunch of bands out there, too. She kind of talked about some leads on people being like, oh, if you're coming back, we should play in a band together. Nice. No, and was she, is she in that band also? Wait. I'm trying to remember. They played with Chasm a long time ago at Mills. No, yeah, that's definitely one band. But I, I was, I think, isn't is she in another band too? Or is she it was just in a band Self Help for that too? Mm-hmm. And was okay. playing in Doomtown, kind of back farther. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that's the band. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a cool band. Yeah, and I think her and she talked about starting another band with Ben. We'll see what happens. Nice. No, yeah. The the Doomtown, like I think it was just like a seven inch single or whatever that was with, like, the white and red cover. Like, I always jam that a lot. Yeah. That was good stuff. Uh, but, yeah, you also just released the debut LP for Dime Sack. It happened. It, it happened. got out into the world yesterday, sold my, my, my first record, and I guess a bunch afterwards yesterday. Felt good. That's been kind of, like, a project I've had in my mind for a long time. Like, I've played a bunch of the, some of those songs and, like, other 
rock and roll bands and never really got it recorded or released in like a way that I felt cool about. And like, I have a bunch of really insane, like four track demos of all those songs that I really like a lot. But I just kind of was like, I, I feel like I could like really, cause a lot of the, the four track demos were me just like looping a drum thing and then just like kind of trying to make up the song as it goes. So they're all like really rough versions of even how to play it. Mm-hmm. But they, they sound psychotic and huge. And I think it's really cool. But I was just like, man, I want to just like record it all really well and like get it how I want it to with all these songs. And I talked about having Tony help me do that forever. And then we actually recorded a bunch of them once. And then his computer got stolen while we were on tour mm. and lost it. But then I was like, Danny, let me use the the tape machine. Like, come over, play the drums on these songs, and then like I'll take care of the rest. So I, I tracked it all myself after the drums, and then. Uh, Put on the computer, did the vocals with him, and then he mixed most of it. And then I kind of just came over and was like, "Do a little bit like this and that." And he wrapped it all up in a very nice, massive sounding recording. Nice. No, yeah, and you kind of like had you been like posting, well, maybe not the same songs, but like recordings under the name Dime Sack, like on SoundCloud, like loose tracks. Uh, those and, are like, all like the random demos, or just like yeah songs that I would like shit out on the four track every once in a while mm. and like I like those recordings but they're kind of they're a little like thin and wild and mostly just like yeah. I recorded them like that on purpose just to make this big psychotic recording but like kind of mellowing it out and like making a more solid like kaboom when the record comes on yeah. was like the main goal and I think I think we nailed it when I first got that test press back to put on the 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 record player just cranked it up and once it sat in the groove I was just like boom this sounds great kaboom yeah so I'm pretty excited about it oh yeah and w- there was also like a an EXO release as Dime Sack Band and it was like a split with like another oh, band yeah, do you totally kind of cons- like that. is that kind of like in the same like would you consider that kind of like the same like thought you know it's like, the same stuff yeah. I mean like all these songs are on the record like probably some from that tape and like a lot of the stuff from that sound call those are all the same songs that are on that record mm. um, the split tape that's with my a friend of mine from France uh, Cedric he does this no no one man band mm. which now he has a whole band for it uh, Le Crotales um, I had driven his band on tour here and we became good friends and I like visit him in France and I actually played a handful of shows with him over there uh, doing that stuff. And I, I made that split tape to go over there. But, yeah, those are just, like, me and the four track. And I think his are the same thing. Nice. Yeah. Do you have a, a good experience in uh, Europe? Of course. You know. It, uh, you've done Europe, like, once or twice? Or? I did a whole tour over there once. And then I, um, the last, just, like, road trip, I went out there with my uh, girlfriend at the time. And she... We had a band together called Eunuch, too, mm-hmm. and we played a bunch of the, the Eunuch songs over there and, like, did a couple Dime Sack songs. So that's kind of, like, a little bit interchangeable. Like the was was Mimus the first tour over there? or Mimus never went over there. Oh. Um, I joined a band called Fag Cop at the time. Mm-hmm. I had recorded their record. That was actually the first band that wasn't my band that I had recorded and just had a pretty rough mix on some cassette tape four track stuff that got blasted out I'm pretty sure I sent them like mp3 mixes of it to be like what do you think about this and I think that's what got turned into wave files and like made the record hmm. I don't think it ever got mastered it's a pretty crazy sounding record is that the whimpers record mm-hmm. yeah yeah and you know kind of after I'd recorded that the other guy that was like playing in the band just kind of wasn't able to like get stuff together to go to Europe so they called me just to be like hey do you have any interest in going on this tour I just said of course and they're like well you know it's gonna be a month long can you give me cool and I was like I will quit my job right now to go on tour in Europe like why not and we basically just went on a psychotic tour with a bunch of wild partying Frenchmen (laughs) and it was really it's kind of too much for me at times but you know, I look back on that, I have, like, a million insane stories. Pretty much one every night of that tour of just, like, this is what happened that day. I don't know why, how, but I was there, and I saw it, and it happened. Do you have one you can pull out right now? Oh, I don't know. No. <laughs> there was just, you know, everyone's doing speed every night. I got 
I got dosed with methadone by one of the guys at some point. Mm. Uh, that was fucking awful. <laughs> it was kind of only like four days into the tour, so I was like, I'm not even going to try. I'm not going to bother like having any interest in any of these weird European drugs that are everywhere anymore because that was awful. Yeah. You know? And I don't know. We were pretty much staying up until like five in the morning every night on that trip and like just meeting so many weird, cool people. And about a year later, uh, me and my girlfriend at the time went over there just to go travel and got to catch up with all those other people when they weren't like at some insane party. Just kind of hang out with them and like see where they live and and see what's going on in their city and stuff. And that was, that was a very rewarding thing to do was just like go back and then just like spend time with my friends that I had made and just like, make real friendships other than like, oh yeah, we were at that show that one time and you know, you like fed us and gave us beer and we stayed at your house and you were so nice to us. And then it was like, now we can just come back and hang out. You know, we don't have like one night to party together. We can just like wander around town together and hang out. Oh, that's nice. And yeah. Um, can you tell me at all? Like, do you like, cause the album cover for the dime sack record is like you dressed up in like a leather jacket and like this funny like mask with like a green like mohawk. Yeah. Like is is there anything in your head like behind that like character that I mean you... the whole dime sack thing really is like a alter ego sort of thing for me to have. Mm. Um just to like let some fucking shit out. You know, it's also just like my like party DJ name that I use, you know. And, like, you know, I just I just found that freaking mask when I was up in Portland. I think it was Portland. I was in Salem, somewhere in Oregon. It was at a garage sale. It was, like, close to Halloween time. And I was like, well, I'm going to be on this trip on Halloween. I'll just have this for, like, a weird Halloween costume if I need it. And I just never ended up using it. And then it just kind of became, like, part of the, the, the concept behind the whole thing, just to, like, have that, like, as, like, the alter ego guy, you know? Mm. Oh, yeah, I like it. And you have, like, the little boombox and, the, like, the toy guitar, too. Oh, on yeah, the, uh-huh. Yeah, I use the, the toy well. boombox thing just to, like, play mixtapes at shows and stuff instead of, like, bringing the records to DJ all the time. Like, at the release show last night, I just mm. used that boombox to crank some tapes, put a microphone like this in front of it, and blast out the PA. Some of the mixtapes sound fine. Some of them just sound like... Because <laughs> it's, like, coming out of a boombox cranked into a weird microphone out of the PA. Yeah. Nice. And... Oh, yeah, and, is like, this is kind of the first time in a minute you've also, like, sang and, like, written lyrics for a band, too, isn't it? Like Other than Phantom Head. No, yeah. But, yeah, yeah that band's been, like, kind of inactive. So, like, is that yeah, something you kind of missed for a while? Yeah, I can't remember what year that record came out with. But, yeah, that's it's been a long time. Um, it's kind of a whole different set of subjects. You know, it's mostly just, like, letting out some hate and anger and... Just kind of stuff like that versus, like, I don't know, the Phantom Head stuff was more of, like, what the fuck's going on in this crazy world and, like, dealing with that and, like, just feeling like everything's going fucking nuts and, like, losing my mind and stuff. Mm-hmm. Versus just, like, being angry and shouting my head off. You know, the the, the Dime Sack stuff's more of, like, a, an outlet for shit like that for me to just, like, scream my head off about some shit that's just, like, driving me fucking crazy, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, who... It was the LP self-release, the new, or like who put... Uh, Black Skull. Black Skull. Uh, Same, uh, my friend Sam, Mm. uh, he did the Phantom Head record too. And uh, when I had like posted on the internet, he was like, hey, what's going on with that record? He's like, I really like this. You know, if you you got someone else putting it out, like whatever, but I'd like to do the record. And you know, I was kind of like, I sent it to some friends and then I was like, you know what? I wanted to do this right now. And like Sam does too. And like he did a great job with the Phantom Head record and like, he lives in Kansas City and we'll just hang out and do this record together, you know? Nice. Yeah. Yeah, and the the record came out last night, and... Last night was the first time it had left my house, yeah. Awesome. We put them all together about a week ago, and uh, played the show last night and uh, released it to the world. Beautiful. Yeah, and I just got the the whole thing streaming on the band camp pretty recently, too. Um, I got plans to try to make a freaky music video pretty soon, too. I got a couple of friends that are interested in working on that, and... I kind of, you know, I think just doing stuff like that is more fun than, like, kind of what I was doing in some other bands where it was more about, like, going on tour and, like, really, like, playing a bunch and trying to sell records and, like, doing this. Like, I want to make this more of, like, a 
a creative endeavor where I'm just like doing a bunch of weird, goofy stuff with it. And I think that's kind of where like the whole art to ego thing can come into play. Cause I can just kind of explore that and do a bunch of creative things with that, hmm. you know? Nice. Oh yeah. I'm looking forward to these endeavors and me too. Everything. You know, I'm trying to like focus and get around to doing all the stuff I kind of have planned for it all, but it's kind of one step at a time. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think that's all I wanted to cover today. Uh, cool. Where can people, like, listen to the record, buy the record? Are you playing any shows coming up? Like, what are you... Like, We're playing what? on the 5th at Revolution Records again. Um, the I think the record just went online on the big, or the big cartel for Black School Records. I think Sam just put that up today. Um, in the past, I've sold stuff myself but I don't have any record mailers because I haven't had any money to buy stuff off of Discogs. So I don't have any mailers, mm. but I'll figure that all out. And, uh, the whole thing is streaming on, uh, the dime sack band camp. And, um, I'm working on trying to get it on YouTube too. So it can just be more avenues to stream the whole thing from too. Nice. Yeah. And pe- should people follow you anywhere or do you have any other little plugs? I have to no followability, I guess. Ooh. <laughs> it's off the grid. It's, it's off. It's not on. Um, just in real life, anywhere you see the dime sack, that's yeah, just that's where if, I'll if be. If you're walking <laughs> down the street, follow Dan. Follow sh- me around. Sh- stalk him. Yeah, uh, stalk me. You know, give me a call. <laughs> just call me. You know. Oh yeah, but yeah. Um, people can follow at Shellcock Mag on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, visit shellcockmusic.com to read all the articles and everything. And shellcockmag.bigcartel.com for t-shirts, buttons, and photozines. Um, there's a few shows we have booked coming up. We got Control Test and Mala Leche at Come and Go. I'm stoked for that one. Yeah, those will be that'll be fun. And yeah, Mentita and Ruined Orgasm. Yeah, I are just saw that, that too. That's quite the the lineup. Yeah, it's a, it's a banger. And there's also going to be shows with uh, Blood Boss from Denver and Temple of Angels from Austin coming up, too. So look out for those. Cool. But, yeah, I appreciate you being on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me come on in.